Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we give an update on the NQS rankings and talk about the outlook for the top 10 teams in the NCAA. Plus we also discuss Gabby Douglas switching gyms. And then later in the show, around the 40 minute mark, if you're just here for the interview and want to skip ahead, we are joined by Michigan senior Jenna Mulligan to talk about what it means to earn a scholarship in her final season and how she has stepped up to become a reliable and consistent scorer for the Michigan Wolverines on three events. So let's get into it. So before we get into our interview with Jenna Mulligan, we have some quick little housekeeping type updates, if you will. Some things that we wanted to make sure we touched on in this week's episode, starting with maybe the biggest news of all, and that is... (laughs) Ashley has a really big update for you guys (laughs) that you probably have already seen on social media, but of course we have to update our listeners here on the podcast as well. Yeah, I feel like most people have probably seen it by now, but since I talk about my job on here a lot, I feel like I have to make this update. (laughs) Yeah, so I have accepted a job with NBC Sports as a digital editorial producer. So sadly, that means I will be leaving Inside Publications, which as far as the gymnastics world is concerned, is inside gymnastics. However, I am super excited for this opportunity, and I will still get to cover gymnastics in my new role. So I will primarily be covering gymnastics, all disciplines, so artistic, obviously, but rhythmic and trampoline as well. And then there's a few other sports that I'm also going to be helping to cover. She's going to branch out a little bit, and I cannot (laughs) wait to try and learn all these other sports. You can't wait to make fun of me. (laughs) So I get to cover... Equestrian, field hockey, and sailing as well. But the job is going to be pretty similar to what I was doing with Inside Gymnastics. Mainly like editorial maintenance, if you will, on the NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com. So writing, editing, keeping the website updated with the latest news. And being kind of like the go-to person for gymnastics. So if somebody on the NBC team is um, working on something gymnastics related in terms of the broadcast or coverage Ashley would be kind of like the go-to person for like what's going on in the gymnastics world Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm super super excited for this opportunity very very hard to pass this up and I'm looking forward to seeing you know what I can learn and how I can grow in this opportunity so there will be some changes that have to be made to the podcast unfortunately because I've taken this position we'll have more details on that later I'm still at this time that we're recording not 100% sure what is going to be happening with the podcast just yet. So I don't want to say anything just yet. So stay tuned. Probably next week we'll have an update for you guys on what this means for the podcast. Another big piece of news, which I'm sure everybody has seen by now, is Gabby Douglas has left WOGA. Which I am both surprised by and not surprised by at the exact same time, if that's even possible. Yeah, I think I'm surprised just because of how close the Olympics are. Like she doesn't have a lot of time and to make a gym switch now is a little bit of a risky move. However, I'm not surprised that she's leaving Woga. Given what we've heard about Woga. I was surprised she went to Woga in the first place, if I'm being completely honest with you. I mean, she said in the interview that you did with her that she chose Woga because of its proximity to home, where she's living with her ranch. Her family lives there. So, like, she was kind of living in that area regardless. But I do wonder, did she choose to live in that area knowing that she was going to maybe make a comeback and wanted to be in an area where there was a lot of gymnastics gyms and so she moved there in 2019 and she didn't get back in the gym until 2022 but i'm just wondering if it was something in the back of her mind and it may and it may have been i don't know why she originally chose the dallas area but she's been there for several years now so i could kind of see her staying in that area 
And that's what we're thinking is going to happen. So, um, yeah. Based off of what we've heard, there's two gems that we know for sure that she's been in contact with. One of which is one that I've seen a lot of people online mentioning. So I think a lot of people have put the pieces together potentially on one of the gems. But the other one, I haven't seen really anybody talking about. And I do think it would be an interesting choice for Gabby. Mm-hmm. It's not anywhere near where she's at now. But it is a gym that has current senior elite athletes. I don't think she's going to go to this gym, though. I think she's going to stay kind of near where she's at now. And her options, I think, at this point would be Metroplex, which is like approximately 15 minutes from the Plano location of Volga, which is where she was training. So that one makes the most sense. Or there's Texas Dreams, which is like roughly 30 minutes from where she's at now. So there are other elite gyms in the area. And there's probably other gyms as well that I'm not even aware of that just don't have elite athletes or they haven't had many elite athletes metroplex and texas dreams are like the big ones in that area yeah because i'm thinking of is it denton gymnastics academy which is where abby malay trained back Mm -hmm. in the day that's also in the dallas area so they've had elite athletes before but not in like super recent years i mean it's a huge area so i'm sure there's like millions of gems but it'll be interesting to see where she's gonna end up she's already back in the gym she posted a little teaser on her instagram story and i'm imagining with the that- blue mad that everyone is trying oh to identify <laughs> which is like every gym in america this country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's been funny to watch i personally think she's gonna end up at candy apples <laughs> <laughs> someone on twitter said um is it bart vickerman's <laughs> gymnastics academy from stick it <laughs> Someone else I saw too. No, was but like, would it be Bart's? Because is it Bart's? Is that am I making that up? It's Vic- I know his last name was Vickerman, but it was Bart Vickerman, right? I think I don't know. Okay, Vickerman's <laughs> gymnastics. We'll say that from Stick Eight. The mats were all red, so it's not that. Right, so it's not that gym. <laughs> Maybe she's gonna go to the ALDC or Candy Apples. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, I think it's gonna be Metroplex. That's where my guess is currently at. Mine as well. But we'll see. Stay tuned. (laughs) And of course, we're wishing Gabby the best in her comeback. Obviously, we talked about last week. She didn't get to compete at Winter Cup because of COVID. I've seen a lot of people like concerned that she's changing gyms at this point in time, what that could mean for her Olympic chances. I'm not honestly too worried about it. Gabby has been in the gym for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And from what we saw when we were in the gym, she looks really good. Like she was competition ready. Like I'm not doubting that she was ready to compete at Winter Cup. Um, that was her plan, was to do all around. Let's so. be real. At this point, she kind of just needs someone to spot her. It's not like she's a junior elite who's really inexperienced and is learning all these new skills. And I mean, she is learning new skills. So like you said, I think she still probably does need somebody to spot her and help her evolve those new skills that she hasn't fully got confidence competing. But she's also extremely experienced. She's a veteran. She knows what she's doing. She knows her body. And she's an adult now. So I just... I think it's good to have somebody with her, obviously, but, like, I don't think she needs someone who's going to be, like, on her 24-7. Like, I think Gabby can mostly train. Same with, like, someone like Simone. Like, they could honestly train pretty much on their own. And not saying that we recommend that for, like, safety reasons. <laughs> but, no, but what like, you're saying is, like, I don't think it matters what gym she's at. I think Gabby's gymnastics is going to be what it is. What Gabby's gymnastics was going to be. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think she is where she's at in her training because of how long she's been in the gym, how naturally gifted she is at gymnastics and how easily some of these skills come to her. They seem to come to her that I think it really doesn't matter what gym she's at or, you know, changing gyms six months out to the Olympics. I think there's plenty of time for her to get acclimated to a new coaching staff and still be just as incredible as she was always going to be. So I, on one hand, I get 
people's concern because it is kind of close to the Olympics. Like for most athletes, I would not recommend changing gyms six months before the Olympics. And some people, but for Gabby, I feel like it's not that big of a deal. Like she has changed gyms a lot yes. in her career and has been successful. Um, or changed coaches even. Like before the 2016 Olympics, she was still at Buckeye, but she trained with Kitty Carpenter and then switched over to the male coach. Christian Gallardo. Okay, yeah. Well, he was her coach, but she went primarily from being with Kitty to Christian. Right, which is where I'm saying that Gabby Douglas has proven that she's capable of competing at a high level and achieving success at a high level regardless of who her coach is and how long she's been with that coach like she's been doing this her whole career let's be real right some athletes I think it might be an issue I I personally don't see it being an issue for Gabby as well but I guess that remains to be seen stay tuned (laughs) moving into NQS updates for the week we are now officially two weeks away from postseason season literally just started what is happening it is going by so fast and i feel like we say this every year <laughs> but like this year does seem like it's going really, it's really worse fast. like i feel like it was just the second meet of the season and now you're trying to tell me that we have two weeks until the postseason like i vividly remember the postseason last year and like how has it already been a year right <laughs> since then it's wild But we're going into week 10 officially, and so we want to give you guys the top 10 in terms of NQS rankings and where teams currently stand and kind of give you our general thoughts on each team heading into the postseason. So we have Oklahoma in first, which should come at a surprise to absolutely nobody (laughs) with a 198.42 NQS score. And just in case you thought the 198.675 that they posted last week wasn't real, they did it again, essentially, this week at home against Michigan with a 196, sorry, 19865. <laughs> they did not go 196. They went 19865. So we actually rescored this meet with Oklahoma and Michigan because we wanted to see how accurate OU scoring actually is. They're a team that I feel like we never really talk about when we talk about teams that are either consistently overscored or underscored, to be honest with you. It seems like the general consensus is Oklahoma is just really, really good, and they get scored accordingly. So we wanted to put that theory to the test. Right. When you have a massive mid-198 score, you kind of wonder, like, is that real? Is there, like, some slight overscoring there? We were curious, so we did the math. (laughs) And if you're a Gold Level Patreon, you can go check out that rescore on the Patreon app right now. I think if there's any area for Oklahoma where they could improve – and to be honest with you, I don't even think it matters. I think at this point, Oklahoma... Yeah, did, just... I, did they ask for your thoughts on where they can improve? I don't think they're worried about it. I well, think they I, are doing just fine. I think they can continue doing things just as they have been, and... They're going to win. They the will be absolutely title. fine. But if they want to go for the perfect 200 score as a team... Which is obviously the next goal for them. Right. <laughs> Vault landings, I would say, is probably the one area that they clean up a little bit. And it's nothing major, but just they're giving away tenths with hops and steps. Yeah. And, and not I've, having anyone, like, stick very consistently, I would say. Except for Kat Lavasser. Kat Lavasser would like to have a word because she has done <laughs> at least two vaults this season that I think should have been a 10 that have gone 9975. Yeah. This one against Michigan, I was, like, shook. My mouth was on the floor. Where was the deduction? The deduction did not exist. Like, that's made up. That was a 10 vault, and everyone knows it. So justice for Kat Lavasser. But I feel like other than her... And Faye Torres, I feel like, has been pretty good about sticking. They've all had their moments. Every single person on this team has had their moments this season where they've stuck a really solid ball or two or three maybe. But, like, I feel like they haven't consistently put it together in the same meet. They're consistently going 9-9. Honestly, 
9925 plus every single event, every single athlete for the most part. Yeah. Vault is the one event where I feel like they're not doing that as much because they're not sticking the landings. They have steps or hops or whatever. So that's like a small area where I feel like, oh, you could maybe be a little bit better. But like we said, honestly, I don't think it really matters because of how good they are on the other events. They could go 49.4, 49.5 on vault, maybe even a little bit lower and still get really close to 198 or go over 198 because they're going 49.6, 49.7 on the other three events. So I think OU is in really good standing no matter what they do going forward. Like if they just keep doing what they're doing, they are heavy favorites to win the national title at the end of the year. Cal, and we said this last week on the show, but I'm still feeling the same vibe from them. They are officially the number two team in the nation with a 197.95 NQS. So super, super close to that 198 score. They've gone... Over 198 for the second week in a row. This past week, they had a 1981. And they just continue to show their consistency. And I think they're doing exactly what they need to be doing, honestly. There's another team that's with Oklahoma in the category of finding the little areas to improve, but not actually needing to change very much. It would probably be Cal. And Vault for them as well. What we just said about OU, I think, kind of applies to Cal as well. They don't have as many 10-0 start values in their lineup, which means that the vaults they are putting up have to be that much better. So the 10-0 start values really need to stick or be close to sticking. Their foals need to be stuck or almost stuck. They have MJ Frazier doing the double that she doesn't really ever stick. She usually has a hop forward or a step back. So they tend to give up more deductions on that event than they do really any other event. Their other events are far and away superior um, and, and closer to where Oklahoma's at, honestly, in terms of scoring potential. Yeah, I think if there's any team that could rival Oklahoma this year, score-wise, it probably would be Cal. And I think it will be hard for Cal to do that, but like you said, I think if there's a team that's going to, on that right day, if Cal, or sorry, if Oklahoma were to make a mistake and Cal were to be really on, um, I could see a world in which an upset could happen. Like, they are not that far behind where Oklahoma is, where I feel like the other teams, there's a clear difference between where Oklahoma is at and where they're at like that's not to say that other teams aren't doing well I think there's a lot of teams that are doing really well right now but Cal is the only one that I think is consistently putting themselves in a position where they're close to what Oklahoma is doing meaning that they could on the right day and the right circumstance upset if the opportunity presented itself and their scoring has been pretty accurate I would say I don't think we've watched every single meet of theirs this season but from what we have watched for the most part I would say they're being scored pretty accurately. Yeah, I don't feel like, other than like, you know, random routines here and there, um, of course, there's always going to be that one me or, you know, maybe two meets throughout the season where you're like, eh, like that was probably not accurate. Um, but I don't feel like I feel that way when I watch Cal, when I rescore Cal in my head, when I, when I score it live when it's happening. Like the scores tend to be pretty on par with what I expect them to get, which is a good sign for them because that means that they are really truly competing at that level, that high 197, you know, 198 type level. So Mm -hmm. um, that bodes really well for them going into postseason. And also want to give them a shout out for getting at least a share of the Pac-12 regular season title, the last ever regular season Pac-12 title that there will be. And they have a chance to win it outright next week, actually. So they face Stanford next week. And if they beat Stanford, which they probably will do, they're going to win it outright. And I believe that's the first time in their history that they've won it outright. Ash is going to attempt to verify that real quick. But if my memory is correct, they've never actually won the Pac-12 regular season title outright. 
Okay, so my research here shows that you are correct. Cal has never won the regular season Pac-12 title outright. So if they beat Stanford next week, they will do that for the first time in program history. And if they lose to Stanford, they're going to get at least a share of the Pac-12 regular season title, which they have done for the last two seasons in a row. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm like, I know they've shared that title before, but yeah. I wasn't sure if they actually won So it this right. will, no matter what, this will either be the third consecutive year that they've shared the regular season title, or it will be the first time ever that they've won it outright. So... I was, well, I was going to say new leaders in the Pac-12 question mark, but I'm like, wait, the Pac-12 is ending, so never mind. <laughs> but you know what I mean. The point still stands. New leaders nationally, they've really solidified themselves as, for sure, in any circumstance, a top five team nationally this season. And um, I would really say top three. Top three, <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. And third, we have LSU with a 197-885. I think they're continuing to show that they're one of the top teams in the country course they're the number one floor team in the country they've been amazing on that event week in and week out but i think it's the other events that i'm wanting to see them kind of refine the little details on while needing to stick more landings as do most of the teams <laughs> as you're seeing we mentioned that for almost every single team i think landings all across the board honestly for lsu and they've gotten a little bit better particularly this past weekend on bars we saw a lot more stuck landings mm-hmm. but really just thinking on all four events It's not major deductions, but just little hops and steps and things on the landings that are giving away tenths. So yeah, I think vault sticks, continuing to show bar sticks. I think also showing beam consistency away. I think so far this season, LSU, the meets they've been strong on beam have been their home meets. But can they hit beam in a pressure situation when they're on the road and not in front of their fans? I think that's something that they're going to want to prove to themselves in order to build that confidence going into postseason. But LSU is definitely one of those teams where when they put it all together, they can challenge for the title. I feel like we haven't seen that yet this season. Maybe they're going to peak at just the right time. But I agree with you that LSU performs really strong when they're at home. And I think it's even more important how they perform when they're on the road. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mark of a strong team is you got to be able to put up those one and eight scores on the road. There's been a lot of talk about LSU scoring this season. And I think that there's no doubt that even with some of the overscoring that they are one of the top teams in the country, they know that and they should have the confidence of a top team. I just would like to see them put together a complete meet with all of the stuck landings and everybody really doing, I think, what their full potential is. And I think they'll easily be a one and a on the road kind of team, but we haven't seen it yet. Florida sits in fourth with a one nine seven seven six five. So they finally moved up into number one seeding position for regionals, and their scores are continuing to build. We've talked about this for the last several weeks with Florida getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, and. This is really impressive. Honestly, I don't know if this has ever been done before. Somebody on Twitter told me that it did happen, but they didn't say by who or when. So. I'm, I'm curious to know because I feel Probably like that's... Probably back just... in like 2004 or sometime. Like... <laughs> it's just really rare to have every single week your score be improving. Like usually at some point you have a little bit of a drop or... You know, you kind of hit your peak and then or, you like level out. Or your performance improves, but it doesn't necessarily reflect in the scores like I think we see that sometimes but Florida scores every single week have gotten better and better and better and I also feel like their performance is improving like vault for example this past weekend had absolutely one of the best vault showings of the season I feel like Florida's vaults have been showing a little bit more consistency on the landing a little bit more confidence 
And I think across the board, even on the other events, we're seeing their confidence build as well. I still feel like Beam is kind of an event where from start to finish, we don't see that confidence. There's like some bright spots in their lineup and then some people that have some wobbles and mistakes. And it's never anything super disastrous, but I think if there's an event where you can maybe anticipate a potential wobble or a mistake for Florida, I feel like it usually comes on either bars or beam. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the past couple weeks, maybe on bars, that would be true. Mm -hmm. Early season, I would say vault. But like I said, I really think Florida seems to be finding their groove. And that's evident in their scores going up every single week. Yeah, they're doing something, right? And their 198-225 from this past weekend um, and their win over Kentucky allowed them to outright win their sixth consecutive SEC regular season title. So shout out to Florida and congrats to them. And in fifth, we have Utah with the 197-725. So they've been hanging out in the number one regional seeding position for several weeks. Actually, I think most of the season. And for the first time, I believe this season, if I'm remembering correctly from the beginning of the season, they've dropped now into the second seeding position. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to pick up the momentum and and push Florida back down or if they're going to be a second seed. Yeah, we've seen some signs of weakness and maybe some uncharacteristic mistakes from Utah this season at various points. And I think having Amelie Morgan out from you know, starting last week all the way through to conference championships does not help. She is a big, consistent, reliable score for them on the, well, at least on bars and beam. Um, her vault hasn't necessarily proven to be the most consistent in college yet. I think bars is definitely where they're feeling it the most because right now they have Abby Paulson in. And then Alani Sabato, she's been in, I think, for most of the season, if not the whole season. I can't remember exactly how many meets she's been we in. We were just but- looking the other day. I think she has been in all season but she's not always the highest scorer for the team and then Paulson isn't either so Emily Morgan is definitely someone who's capable of bringing in a bigger score and I think that Utah is really going to need her if they you know really want to make a push for that Pac-12 championship title especially with how well Cal is doing this season and of course you can never leave UCLA out of the mix so I think that's honestly going to be one of the biggest keys for Utah is getting Emily back and then Kind of like we're saying with the rest of these teams, of course, it's always important to work on those details, getting the stuck landings. Yeah, because I think vault, we haven't seen hardly any stuck vaults this entire season from anyone in Utah's lineup. Not even Jaden Rucker. She usually sticks. Yeah, I was Like, I say. genuinely can't think of a single. Actually, no, I take it back. The freshman, Cami Winger. She yeah. did stick her ball once or twice throughout the season. But other than that, they really haven't had any stuck vaults. So that's something that they're definitely working on. I think Beam has been strong, and I think Floor has actually been really great. Um, they're one of their better events this season, so it's really just vault and bars that I think they show some signs of weakness. One thing I will say about Utah that I think is really good is when they do have a mistake, it's either the very last person in the lineup, so it doesn't matter, or they're able to pick it up and keep moving. Like, they don't let one mistake kind of trickle over into the next person Mm -hmm. and let it affect the rest of the lineup. Which is a difficult thing to do. And it's a good quality to have if you're, you know, in a situation like the national championships in the Final Four and, you know, trying to win a national title. So definitely a lot of good qualities with Utah, but I think they're going to need to, like, step it up a little bit Mm -hmm. if they don't want to get passed by even a team like Kentucky, who's now sixth. Well, they were six last week, too, but they're just continuing to get better. They're currently at a 197-680, and they're coming off of a program record score at home 
on senior night against Florida with a 198.1. So they've officially joined the 198 club. Yes, for the first time in history, we are so excited for them. I knew it was coming. I knew that they were going to do it at some point this season. It was just a matter of time. And with that, Kentucky is kind of starting to distance themselves a little bit from the 7th through 10th teams in the rankings and it's not to say that it's impossible for those teams to move ahead of Kentucky I think it really honestly depends on who has the lowest score that they're trying to drop I know MSU has like a 1969 something that they're still holding on to in their NQS so that could get interesting I could see MSU jumping up in the next week or so when they're away again but Kentucky's starting to create a little bit more distance which is exactly what they needed to do I think for them They don't really have a weak point, actually. I think their vault has been much improved this season. I think, obviously, in a championship situation, whether that's SECs, regionals, nationals, they're going to want to have a vault rotation where everyone gets those landings. We've seen that from them for the most part this season, um, but not consistently. So that's, I feel like, a broken record here. We're literally saying that for every team, but I'm sorry, it's true. Like, that is the key, and... In recent years, that usually is the key to success. It's the team that sticks the most balls and then obviously gets through the meet with no falls or major mistakes. But in the end, in those big championship-type meets, it really does come down often to who sticks the most balls. So um, that's why we keep saying it over and over again, because going into postseason, that's absolutely something that you're going to want to watch for. Um, but Kentucky, I feel like they've been doing a pretty good job at it. Bars, I think, is solid. Beam, I think, maybe is an area where I'd like to see some more confidence from them start to finish. So they started out the season going pretty consistently, like 49-4 range. And then they had a little bit of a drop-off. And then this week, they were back 49-4. But there were still some nerves that I saw within that lineup. So that's something that they're definitely going to want to work on. Um, and the floor has been great. Raina Worley is now in her 10 era. Kreslin Bros, who's going to be on the show next week, got another 9.975, which is her career high. She is doing, like, perfect routine after perfect routine. I think it's a matter of time before she gets a 10. Yeah, this is a really good vault and floor team. Not bad on bars either, and honestly, not bad on beam. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're actually pretty strong across the board. Like, they don't really have... Like, they're not, like, ridiculously strong in any event, but they're also not weak on any event either. And that's what makes them so deadly. I can't wait to see them at SECs this year, because I think they genuinely have a really good shot at winning the SEC title, and that's the first time we've ever said that. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to put it together all on the same day, but I think they could do it. Like, their confidence is definitely building. Yeah, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing how they perform out on the floor with the powerhouse teams like Florida and LSU, knowing that they can win if they have a great meet and how they handle that pressure. I think that will be very telling to how Kentucky goes through the rest of the season. Then in seventh, for the second consecutive week in a row, we have Michigan with a 197-510 NQS. And they didn't have their best showing against Oklahoma. They rested Carly Bauman on floor. Actually went five up, five count, which is a very risky strategy in an attempt to give people rest. But I kind of feel like Michigan hasn't really had a choice. They've been struggling with a lot of injuries this year. Yeah, they're still without Naomi Morrison. Yep, and so anytime there's a chance to rest somebody, or somebody needs to be rested, I should say, they have to look for those opportunities. They have to create those opportunities because they just don't have the depth this year to really give those all-around athletes. But the floor squad proved that they can handle five up, five count. Which is like kind of iconic of them to do that. <laughs> Against the number one team in the country, well, 
Oklahoma's number two on four, but I'm saying like in general, Oklahoma being the number one team in the country. Um, and Michigan's floor team is ranked third nationally. So I feel like if there was any event where they could have the confidence to trust that five people would hit, it would be the floor squad. And Paige Thaxton, the sophomore, only in her second appearance in the floor lineup, did the best routine that she's done. I know the week prior she scored nine, eight, seven, five, but in my opinion, this routine that she did at Oklahoma was, was better than the one that she did that scored the nine, eight, seven, five. Yeah. So it's nice to see her confidence building just to have her out there in general. She's been so injury prone. And so we are thrilled with the way that she's been performing and the way that she's stepped up and the way that a lot of these athletes have stepped up with Naomi Morrison being out, Kaylin Morgan being out. Um, this Michigan team is going through it, <laughs> but they are fighting and I think they're in a pretty good place right now. Yeah, they're making improvements every week. I think Vault is probably still probably the weakest point for this team. And I think it's what's keeping them from scoring consistently, I should say, in the high 197s. They have a couple scores that have been like higher 197s, but yeah. I think unfortunately it's been Vault this year that's really kept them from getting in that 197-7, score that I think that otherwise they'd be capable of doing because on the other events, they're actually doing pretty good, I feel like. Floor, you know, being their best event, they've consistently gone over 49.5 on that event, has gone as high as 49.75, and then Beam have gone as high as 49.5. They have a couple 49.4 type scores. And honestly, I still feel like they have the potential to go higher on beam. Like their beam has not been rewarded in the way that I feel like it is deserved. So I think the potential on that event is still absolutely there. And then bars, I think, started a little bit weaker in the beginning of the season, but they've improved a lot. They went 49-5, which was a season high for the team at Oklahoma. So when everybody's hitting at their best, I feel like the potential is there. And McKaylee Marr, got to give it to her. She didn't consistently appear in the lineup at the beginning of the season but she's been in more towards the mid to end of the regular season which also i'm just (laughs) thinking of this right now she's been exhibitioning all season long and her routine has been pretty much the exact same like she's been doing that routine that she did at oklahoma pretty much all season long so shout out to her for showing consistency in competition because when we were in the gym she did not seem to be the most consistent she's a gamer she shows up for the competition and listen like that's all you have to be able to do right like i don't care what you're doing in the gym if you show up in competition and you hit the way that she's been proving to hit so far like gotta give it to her yeah (laughs) but what i'm saying is in the exhibition spot that same routine was going like nine eight two five and we talked about this and i don't remember if this was like a conversation that we had on the podcast but it was just me and you saying this but i was like put that in the lineup and it's going to score higher and it did and it It literally went nine nine i'm like she's been doing that same routine all week though not all week all season (laughs) for months so that's been funny. So I'm happy that she's finally like in the lineup and getting the recognition she deserves. And I think that's a big boost for Michigan's bar lineup. Like you said, they kind of started slow. They were scoring like 49-2, 49-3 range at the beginning of the season. And now halfway through, when you look at road to nationals, you actually see their scores trending upwards. They're more going like 49-4. They went 49-5 this past week. Um, higher 39-3s, you know, on the brink of a 49-4. So they're, they're increasing their scoring potential on that event. And so really it's just Vol, like we said. They have three foals in their lineup, and they're foals that, um, outside of Jenna Mulligan, I feel like aren't scoring as high at this point in time. And as you need to be if you're going to be scoring, like, anywhere near 198. Right. And then the one and a halfs they have in the lineup can be great, but they have not all put it together in the same meet. You'll have one meet where somebody will stick, and it's great, but the other two one and a halfs don't. 
So they really need to work on the consistency with finding those landings, especially with those one and a half vaults. I know it's a lot of pressure to put on those athletes, but those big vaults, they really need to go big. Um, because at this point in time, they just don't have the foals or the other one and the halves in their lineup that can really bring in that bigger scoring potential. So I think that's going to be the biggest issue for Michigan as they head to postseason in an area where they're really going to have to start dialing in. Well, especially with a team like MSU right on their heels. So MSU is an eighth with currently right on their heels. <laughs> a 1975 NQS. So they are like right there. They are literally one step on the landing away from catching Michigan. Yeah. And they're pretty consistent on every single event. And you- that's been their biggest upside so far in this season is they're consistently just being good on every event. They're not like stand out great on any event, but they're also not weak on any event either. They're literally just even keeled and solid every week on every event yeah, for the you, most part. If you look at the event totals on Road to Nationals, you'll see that there's not really like any major drop-offs and there's not really any major rises either. Maybe with the exception of Beam, they did start the season with two 48 48-8 scores on that event, which obviously isn't super great. But they've gone as high as 49-6. I was just about to say that. <laughs> so like, the potential is absolutely there. Um, and I feel like all the weeks in between that and around that have kind of just been like random. <laughs> yeah. Like 49-3, 49-4, 49-2, there's back not up a, to 49-6. There's not a certain mark that they consistently hang around. It's like you can see the potential. We're kind of you depending s- on the meat all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think if there is a weakness that we pinpoint for Michigan State, it would be that event. It would be beam. And their consistency. But they have so much potential on beam. Like They have a great beam team. So they're the kind of team that like once they put it all together and they have a great meet. It's lethal for everybody else. They're a one and eight team. And like this season, when they beat Michigan at home, Michigan State had a really great meet from start to finish. They had the best meet they've had all season. Obviously, that's their season high. And they just all put it together on the right day. Mm-hmm. And they can do that. So that's going to be the thing that we're watching with Michigan State is if they can put it all together and have a complete meet. Because if they do, they're absolutely one of the top teams in the country. Yeah. They're a one nine eight team. They're going to be the favorites to win Big Tens. They're going to have a great shot at Nationals. It's good things for this team. And then Bama, they're in ninth right now with a 197-465. So they're not too far behind either. They're, they're getting better every single week. I think they had a slower start to the season and maybe a, a shakier start than I know we predicted. I'm, I'm sure most people would agree with that. We thought that they were going to be with the talent they have on their roster, maybe a little bit higher in the rankings. Mm-hmm. But I think they're kind of slowly finding their groove. Well, so they did lose Makari Doggett. We should probably state that because that's a big loss for them. She's out with an Achilles injury. And she's a fifth year, which is absolutely heartbreaking way to end your career. So sending her all the best and wishing her a speedy recovery, of course. But that's super unfortunate for her, but also for this team. Yeah, because she was in the vault and an even bar lineup. And obviously it was a very high score on those events she scored tens several times on bars in the past so Mm -hmm. that's a big loss but I think in addition to that kind of a theme here with all of these teams is the vault landings not a lot of teams this season are sticking the vault landings and I know that it's not an easy thing to do every single person in your lineup every single week well I mean clearly because like no no team has mastered it (laughs) you know what I mean like not even Oklahoma and I'm sure at some point this season somebody's going to the college season wouldn't be complete without at least one school absolutely nailing their entire vault rotation. I guess who's going to be the first to do it remains to be seen. 
But I think that's an area that Bama kind of needs to improve on a little bit. Bars has been probably the strongest point for this team. Um, they've gone 49-5 plus five times this season, which is phenomenal. But that's when they've hit. They've they've had some inconsistencies. They've had some drop-offs on that event when you look at Road to Nationals. And Beam is kind of the same way. I think the potential's there. The past two weeks, they went 49-4 and 49-5. They looked great on Beam the past two weeks. But really, up until that point, it's been kind of up and down. Actually, I would say when I'm looking at the scores, it more consistently around the 49-2 range and lower in some cases. But we're so, seeing improvements, which is what you want to see. Like ultimately it doesn't matter how you started the season. It matters how you finish. And I think that a team like Florida we mentioned, but also Bama here kind of seems to be finding their groove in the later half of the season, which is exactly what you want to do. And speaking of finding your groove, our last team here in 10th, I think is also still trying to find their groove as we gear up for postseason. So UCLA in 10th with a 1974 NQS. They've been struggling with consistency this season, which I think has led to some lower road scores. Their highest road score right now was a 197-425, which compared to the other teams in the top 10 is kind of low. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to drop a 1971 and a 197-175. That right now those are counting. No matter what they do at home, they have two low 197 scores that are counting in their NQS, and they only have two more opportunities to replace those scores. So they have to score higher than 197. They need to go 1972 or higher at least. Yeah. In both of the last away meet and the Pac-12 championships. Pac-12 championships is an intense meet to have that kind of pressure on yourself because you're trying to obviously contend for the Pac-12 title, and then you also have this NQS hanging over your head and potentially being a third seed versus a second seed. Yeah. So there's a lot that's going to be on the line in the coming weeks for UCLA. Granted, that's not a huge score. Like asking a team that's as talented as UCLA to go over 1972, basically, that's not a huge ask, but they have struggled with it this season on the road. So there's some work that needs to be done for UCLA for sure. I think that it's hard to pinpoint like a quote unquote weak event for them because I really think at any given point on any day, they could be great or they could be a little bit off like vault bars beam. Um, I feel like at various points they've had highlights and then they've also had lowlights. Is that a word? Or not, I know it's yeah, a word, I think but I, is it like a phrase? Is that like I think accurate? I used to get lowlights in my hair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to get sidetracked. <laughs> but anyways... You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. saying that UCLA is very much a roller coaster as a fan to watch. Um, and floor is really the only event that I feel like they've consistently solidified themselves as like, you know, one of the top teams. Like you feel like confident watching them on floor and the other events. It always feels like a journey. Without Shay too, which has been impressive. Yeah. And they're only going to get stronger if they get her back in that floor lineup. And it sounds like she is starting to tumble again. So for postseason, for sure, they should have Shea back in those lineups, which will be another big boost for them. But I think, you know, right now with UCLA being technically a third seed, and that remains to be seen if they're going to be able to push themselves up into the second seed position, um, they're a dangerous third seed. I think the past several seasons, actually, they've been third seed. Not last season, but the, the seasons before that, they were third seeds. And that's what makes them so dangerous is because on any day, they could turn it on and go 198, or they could be like a low 197. Like yeah. You just never know what you're getting with UCLA, which is both 
nerve-wracking as a fan, but also scary, I think, for other teams that are competing against them in a regional final. Because you just don't know what UCLA is going to show up that day. Is it the 198 UCLA or is it the low 197 UCLA? I do feel sorry for whatever teams have to face UCLA if they do end up being a third seed at regionals. Because that's a terrifying third seed. Mm -hmm. That's a third seed that could win regionals on the right day. (laughs) So that'll be fun. Stay tuned to see where regional seeding has all of these teams placed. Which we'll know after conference championships for sure. Um, But I think it's going to be intense regardless. I don't think there's going to be an easy regional (laughs) final. No, there never is. all these teams stepping it up and, and really seeming to get better for the most part as season goes on. Um, I think it's just going to add to the intensity of the situation. So that'll be fun. Since we're in the thick of college gymnastics season, it's been a minute since we've done an interview, but there's somebody who's been absolutely killing it this season that we wanted to get on the show, and that would be Michigan senior Jenna Mulligan. So Jenna started as a walk-on and has been with the Wolverines through some of the program's best years in history. During her freshman season, Michigan won the NCAA title, the first in program history, of course, and have broken just about every team record there is to be broken. Jenna made her collegiate debut on vault and floor during her sophomore year and was a depth option for Michigan for the last two seasons. Now, as a senior, Jenna has stepped up in a time when the team has needed it the most, and she's now a mainstay in the vault lineup, where she's matched a career high of 9.85 twice this season. She's been added to the beam lineup, where she's been a consistent leadoff for Michigan and owns a career high of 9.9. And she notched a new career high on floor with a 9.925 this season, as a scholarship athlete, it's been incredible to see Jenna's gymnastics grow over the years and to see her be recognized for all of the hard work that she has put in. Jenna is such an important piece to this Michigan team, and we hope you all enjoy hearing a little bit more of her story. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Jenna Mulligan. This week, we are super excited to be joined by Michigan senior Jenna Mulligan. Jenna, thank you so much for chatting with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So you've really stepped it up this season. You've had like your senior year glow up. You went from being like a depth option on two events to now consistently being in three lineups for Michigan. And the first three weeks of the season, you posted career highs at every single event. So what do you think has been the biggest difference for you coming into this season compared to last season's? Is it like a mentality switch? Is it more confidence? What do you think it is? I would say it's definitely been more of a mental switch than a physical switch. I feel like I have everything I need in my toolbox. It was just about bringing it out on the floor and in the gym every day. And I would say I've been working a lot with our like sports performance mental health person, Ardran, and that's been really, really helpful for just having the trust in myself that my team and the coaches have had in me all along. And it's just really helped bring that confidence out onto the floor. Is that something that like you just started this year then? It is because he is new to the university and new to our team. So a lot of us have been utilizing him and just I think it's really helped. I wanted to talk about your vault. Your (laughs) one and a half on vault is something that you did when you were a level 10 Mm -hmm. but then you brought it back for college. Well you so anytime you had vaulted before in your career you'd do in a full. Um, this season you started out doing the one and a half and it was so improved. I was, like, the first <laughs> time I saw you. it, I was like, oh my goodness, Jenna, <laughs> queen. <laughs> so talk about the progression of that ball and, and being able to get it to that point where you compete in competition and have it be a really clean, usable ball. Mm-hmm. So that, the one and a half, every summer when I would come up to train from my freshman year to now, we'd worked it over the summer, 
but I was still missing some of the key foundational pieces of the vault to make it consistent on mats and on like competition landing. But this summer was when it all finally clicked with the form and all the like key basics that I needed. So we just really went with it and progressed it throughout the fall and then got it onto competition surface and took it to the meets. Mm -hmm. Um, And then mental block stuff started happening. So now we're back to the full. So to be determined what the rest of the season holds, but I'm just very proud of myself for doing the one and a half because that was a big goal of mine and just for the coaches to keep working on it with me yeah and your full was so nice and honestly it scores well too but that was my next question is do you plan on bringing the one and a half back but it sounds like tbd (laughs) definitely tbd um it was just like i said mental block stuff that's still going on a little bit but we're definitely working it on the side okay just in less pressure situations yeah but i'm feeling a lot better with the full right now yes And so you've added beam to your repertoire. I mean, obviously you've trained beam throughout your whole career, but Mm -hmm. this is the first time that you're making lineups and you're the leadoff, which is not a position that every gymnast loves being in, Mm -hmm. the leadoff I think it's the hardest job in the NCAA. Yeah. So how do you feel about it? Do you like that position or did Miley just give it to you and you had to embrace it? Well, she definitely gave it to me, but we definitely talked about it before that. Um, I personally love it. Um, I love being able to just go up first and then use all of my energy for the next five to cheer on my teammates and not be nervous or reserved that I still have to go. Get it over with. Just get it over with. Yeah, it's the best (laughs) feeling. And I just love when I hit a routine, just setting up the rest of the lineup. And I have full faith in the five girls behind me to just absolutely kill it every single weekend. You guys have been so good on beam this year. I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. I feel like vaults and floor have always been like known to be Michigan strengths, but I feel like it's beam this year. And we're not talking about it enough. No. You guys are like actually really good on beam. Thank you. I give a lot of credit to Miley with just the mental side of beam and just going up with the confidence and knowing you're going to hit the routine before you even start and just not even letting the mistakes be an option in your head. Miley's been a great asset on beam with that side of it. What is your mentality and the team's mentality been like, knowing that you were losing a lot of amazing gymnasts from last season and knowing that people were gonna have to like kind of step it up a little bit this year, did that put pressure on you guys? Or do you feel like that's made you better knowing that like the team needs people to step up? I feel like there's obviously always pressure, but. I like to think of it as a good pressure um, because like you said, I was in those depth spots and a lot of the other girls on the team were too. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that it's our time to step it up and pull the weight that others were pulling before us. And just again, knowing that the coaches have full faith in every single one of us to do the job or else we wouldn't be on this team. Um, So just getting the opportunity to get out there and show what we've been working so hard for kind of, in the background or like in the silence where like not everyone can see it. Uh So it's just, I love watching new people step into the lineup, like Paige on floor these last two weeks. Like so happy for her and like she's been killing it and so many others as well. Paige looks good on beam too. We were just watching a couple minutes ago and I'm like, okay, that triple series. Yes, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. (laughs) So 
you earned a scholarship in your senior year. I did. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Talk about that, that moment that you found out what was going through your head and what it means to you to be a scholarship athlete mm-hmm. here at the University of Michigan. So I guess first, it means literally the world to me. I think every gymnast's goal is to get that scholarship and come to college and compete. And coming in, obviously, as a walk-on, I didn't really think that I'd fulfilled that goal. But I knew I wanted to come to the University of Michigan no matter what it took. So I just kind of accepted my fate, if you will. But to me, it really just shows that hard work does pay off and it doesn't go unnoticed, even if some days you think it does. And just, again, I've said it so many times, but just knowing that like the coaches believe in me and just value me as a member of the team, it just meant the world. And then, as I said, just actually fulfilling the goal that I set for myself and what middle school (laughs) and then the day that it happened was actually the first day of classes this year and they basically called a team meeting if you will and said we were going to go over the handbook which I know the videos on Instagram but they just had me read a sticky note that they slapped onto one of the pages and I immediately started crying when I read the word scholarship because it just was so surreal and it it took a while for it to feel real yeah but it was it's a moment I will remember for the rest of my life for sure the video is my favorite so sweet (laughs) oh good days (laughs) so I'm super interested in athletes that come to a school as a walk-on because you're talented enough you could get a scholarship somewhere else I'm glad you're here but you could get a scholarship at a lot of other places so like what if you're comfortable sharing like what was your recruiting process like and were you just dead set on coming to Michigan or were you open to going somewhere else on a scholarship this is really funny actually so when I started the recruiting process I was before the rule change of you can't talk to anybody until your junior year and all that stuff so it started like everybody else's in my time in middle school, mm-hmm. just sending emails, talking to coaches, whole nine yards, whatever. So I definitely visited other schools, was talking to other schools, ended up, well, I guess. I told my mom in the beginning that I did not want to go to a big school and I did not want to go to a cold school. <laughs> and I'm What are you here. doing here? So, <laughs> so it was just one of those where it was honestly more of my mom in the beginning and she was like, you know, Michigan's a great school. You should just send videos because it can't hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, fine, whatever. Start sending videos. And the coaches responded. They were like, you should come up for a visit. I'm like, mom, it's really cold up there. Mom, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, yeah, put yeah. the cold. <laughs> and so me being what, probably freshman year of high school, I'm like, mom, no, it's too cold. But we come up here and the second I stepped onto campus and just stepped into Ann Arbor in general, I knew this was home mm-hmm. and I had to come here no matter what else happened. So then just kind of kept going at it, coming to camps and then got the walk-on offer for that spot because they, they were very upfront with like, we don't have money, mm-hmm. but like, if you want to come here, we would love to have you. And then turned down other scholarship offers to come here and here we are today. I I wouldn't change a thing. I love that though because it shows like the dedication. Mm -hmm. I mean I know every athlete whether you're a scholarship or not obviously you're dedicated to your sport and the school and everything but like to come to a school on your own dime and like basically put in the same work as everybody else I think it speaks like so much to just I don't know how hard that you work and I'm so glad that 
it all paid off for you. Yeah, you des- no one deserves it more, truly. Thank like you. you deserve it so much. You're like Thank the epitome you. of trust the process, you know? Like and like <laughs> stay the course. That's a great way to put it. I yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Those who stay will be champions. Oh my gosh. That is Jenna actually Morgan. a quote I, I live by. Yeah. I would I would get that tattooed somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, would, I really no, would. I was thinking that. You, you embody should. that. You embody that truly. Like Thank seriously, you. coming on as a walk on that here you are your senior year, contributing in three lineups on a scholarship, like trust the process yeah. oh my god <laughs> and honestly the coaches have been so great about whether you're on a scholarship or you are a walk-on everyone is seen as an equal mm-hmm. in their eyes and if you are outperforming anybody no matter who it is lineups are never like guaranteed to anybody and they will put in somebody over somebody else yeah. if you deserve it yeah. so that's been a really great thing to see as well I'm going to skip down because there's a question that I feel like we had at the bottom that kind of fits here. But um, I feel like in the Michigan-made docuseries and then also in the interview that you did when you got your scholarship, Mm -hmm. you mentioned some feelings of, like, self-doubt and, like, and I'm putting this word out there, but maybe, like, imposter syndrome type thing where, like, you feel like maybe you don't belong here. Um, Was that something that you felt, having, like, feelings of self-doubt and, like, questioning, like, do I deserve to be on this team? Am I worthy? <laughs> Definitely. Um, and they all came from within me. Everybody has always been and still continues to be so supportive and just having confidence and trust in me. But it was definitely hard coming here and I guess not having everything I wanted in the beginning yeah. to feel like I did belong on this team and at this university. It's definitely something I've had to work at, but I'm very glad I did stay the course, trust the process, yes. as you guys said, and I just, it's all paying off, and I couldn't have asked for a better senior year to, I guess, my little farewell tour, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think everything happens for a reason, and I just think those feelings have made me stronger as a person inside and mm-hmm. out of the gym. Love that. So the NQS rankings came out today. You guys have jumped four spots in the rankings. Yes. Queens, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> no, that was telling our listeners. That was immediately sent in our group chat as soon as it came out. Yeah. Oh, we were keeping track like before, like all season long. We've been like, okay, we know that that stupid 195 score is in there for a while. But once that drops, it's game over. Mm-hmm. It's game over for everyone else. So yeah, you guys are seventh now nationally. Um, with room to improve still, like you guys can still move up in the rankings. What is the goal for this team this season? Like to look back at the end of the year and feel like you guys met your goals, what would need to happen? So this season has been a lot of just kind of keep fighting. Um, We've taken lessons away from every single meet and every single experience that we've had this season. And we're just trying to put it all into our toolboxes so that no matter what happens throughout the rest of season, we are prepared because we've already experienced something like it before. And we did goal setting the other day as a whole team. We have it hanging on the mirror in the gym. I don't know if you guys looked at it, Uh -uh. but we have two big boxes, win big tens and go to nationals. Any given day, anything can happen, but those are the two things right now that we are continuing to fight and strive for every single day inside of the gym, on the competition floor. I think this team has really great things ahead. I think this season has definitely been a learning opportunity for everybody. 
and it's just great to see us grow as a team through the process. Maybe this is something that you don't pay attention to, but do you guys pay attention to like what's happening around the country? Like, There's a lot of teams that are stepping up and teams that like normally aren't in the top that are finding their way into the top. Do you guys pay attention to that? And if you do, does it motivate you? I personally try not to pay attention uh-huh. to it. Um, I, we always talk about staying in our bubble Um, mainly on the competition floor, but I personally am one. I cannot watch gymnastics before I do gymnastics. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, so I personally, unless it's just like a highlight that I see on Instagram or social media, I don't really know what's happening. Some people really love like watching and keeping up with it. So I think it's kind of like a 50-50 mix, Mm -hmm. but we definitely just try to focus on the controllables and what is going on within our team. You almost have to. Like, the sport, it's subjective. Yes. You can't control it. No. <laughs> so, judging is different every weekend, so yeah. you just never know. You're entering your last month and a half, you could say, of your gymnastics mm, career. Tear. Literal tears. Falling. Scary. <laughs> um, first of all, how do you feel about that? And then what goals do you have personally? Like, I know you mentioned some team goals, but do you have anything personally that you want to see happen in your career before you wrap up? So it's bittersweet is probably the best word I can use to describe it. Um, Gymnastics obviously has been my entire life since I can remember. That being said, I'm definitely ready to start the next chapter of my life and just explore different like areas that I've never been able to before. Like when people ask like, what are your hobbies? I just don't have an answer. (laughs) Gymnastics and yeah, so just like exploring like those avenues and just figuring out other things that I do enjoy. Um, But gymnastics has been my entire life, so I feel like there's gonna be a slight identity crisis there. But I'm grateful for everything that gymnastics has taught me about myself as a person and as an athlete. There are so many life lessons involved in this sport. There's too many to count. (laughs) Um, Personal goals. I would love to break that 995 because I've done several 9925s throughout this season, but I would love to see that 995 pop up. Um, And we've been working so hard on the little details in the gym just because the skills are there. It's just about the perfecting all of them now. So we've been working on a ton of just the little details, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. So hoping to bring that to reality. Um, And then just continue to be there for my team in the lineups because they're putting their trust in me. So just continuing to show that I do deserve that trust and they can count on me as we get to these like bigger postseason meets. So you mentioned in the Michigan made doc, which by the way, people haven't listened to, or not listened, watch that stream it on YouTube. It's a must watch. But you mentioned in that that you got into chiropractic school back in Florida. I did. So congratulations, first Thank of all. You. Um, but also, that sounds like probably no fifth year then. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Um, I will be, or I will not be taking my COVID fifth year. Did you consider it at all? And she's like, not I'm not really. answers. No, that's okay. Yeah, not really. Um... For me, it was kind of, we had a season my freshman year during that COVID year. So while it was very different than what season looks like now, for me, I personally feel like I didn't miss out Mm -hmm. on a season or any experience that I wish I would have gotten. 
Okay, so this last question, well, we have some fun questions at the end, but um, this one I feel like is, it's kind of similar to some of the things you've touched on already, but it's a good way to end it. Just advice for athletes, whether they're a walk-on or you know maybe they come in and they're not making lineups right away. What advice would you give to someone in that situation? Or what would you say to yourself if you could go back in time? <laughs> I actually love this question a lot. Um, there are so many things to say, but I think summing it all up, just never give up never quit keep on the course because it will pay off whether it's the timeline that you set for yourself i think one thing i've learned is that doesn't exist yeah. um you can have all these expectations but that's going to be your downfall you just have to take it day by day stay in the moment our strength coach lou always says be where your feet are and i think that's one of the greatest things i've ever heard mm-hmm. the only time we have is now so just keep at it every single day and even if it feels like you're in a rut and you're stuck and you're not improving you are yeah and it will show yes you will come out the other end of it you will you will see the light at the end of the, tu- end of the tunnel and you will get to that light and have your time to shine yes. and i just think that's the biggest thing and just believe in yourself because that also takes time and it takes work. But once you get there, it's so rewarding Mm -hmm. because you see yourself the same way that everybody else on your team and your coaches and your family and your friends, like the way they all see you. And it's the best feeling. Yes. Very well said. Thank you. (laughs) We are so proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. No, this year has been so fun. I always love seeing people have their best year and their last year. Like there's just no better way to go out. None, no better way. Okay, we are going to get into our fun questions okay. for you. So, <laughs> they have nothing to do with gymnastics. They're random. Perfect. <laughs> First question. We always ask this whenever we talk to any Michigan gymnast. Okay. What is your favorite restaurant in Ann Arbor? <gasps> There's one correct answer, and you better say it. <laughs> <laughs> we fight like, about this all the time. I think no tie. For I like, had, I had it the other day. That yeah. Was, that was as, the first time I had it, though. For like a casual restaurant, yeah. it's got to be no tie because... Let's be real. That's the best Thai food I think I've ever had. Um, that wasn't what she was wanting you to say, though. You can name a couple more. We'll see if we get there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why can I not think of any restaurants? Um, we're putting you on the spot. Do you eat out a lot or do you cook? I do more cooking, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy eating out when I get the opportunity. Yeah. Usually when my mom and dad are here for meats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Moni. Monty's really Never nice. Money. It's just Italian, but it's super good. I think when we interviewed Naomi, I think she told us about that one. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a staple. Um, yeah, Naomi told us about um, Chapala. Chapala. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mexican place. Yeah, that we're place actually catering that for senior night. <laughs> 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 yeah. That was good. That was like the best Mexican. It's I've had. so good, and like it's super fun in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. Frida Potatoes. Yeah, I was actually just about okay. to say Frida's next. That was my very that passionate is, answer. Yeah, no, I would definitely say Frida's. Okay. I so love it. She's so rude and disrespectful <laughs> to Frida Potatoes. It's my favorite. I would eat it every day. It's so, it's so good. good. I'm not it's saying so it's not good. I'm just saying that when we get takeout, it's soggy. Oh, I feel like that's <laughs> definitely when you have to eat it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will say, with the one time that we had it there, it was better it was than good. all the but takeout. It's takeout, it's yeah. soggy. I'm sorry. But yeah, I'd say most of my like eating out is more of like coffee and ice cream. Okay, that's valid. So like, if you need those recommendations, I probably have more of those than actual restaurants. Well, now that she's in grad school, she's suddenly drinking coffee.
coffee now. Yeah, she's I've like, never drank coffee in my entire life, and now I'm like, yeah. I'm on it. She's like, I gotta get the coffee before class. I'm the only person in my family that likes it. Like, neither of my parents like it, but I drink it every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you get addicted to it. <laughs> and then you can't go without it. <laughs> right. You gotta do what you gotta do to make it through. <laughs> Describe your team in one word. <laughs> Authentic. Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Do I need to elaborate? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Unless you wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I can, but I would say everyone on the team is so different. We all have a very unique personality, a unique view on the world, but we're so respectful of one another's opinions and beliefs and differences that it just makes us one cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the team that performs best on the floor. Love it. What about dream job when you were a kid? Veterinarian. Really? I feel like that's a common answer. I feel yeah. like that was me that too. That or teacher. <laughs> what about five things that make you happy? My cat. <laughs> I adopted him over the summer. Aww. He's my baby. Um, What's his name? Maverick. Maverick. Yeah. Oh, cute. Um, ice cream. <laughs> Same. Coffee. Same. The sunshine. That's probably my least favorite thing about Michigan is the gray winters. Yeah. The seasonal but depression is real. It's so real. But this this winter has had the most <laughs> yeah. sun of As any. As we sit next to this beautiful window yeah. with the sun coming in. Um, and when you go so long without sun and it comes out, it's the most glorious thing. Yes. Like, I get vibes ten times happier. <laughs> um, and then just my friends and my family. Good one. Okay, last one. Something that you're looking forward to doing once you graduate Obviously, you're going to explore some hobbies, but is there anything you have in mind? I actually do have one in mind. My goal over the summer is to learn how to surf. Ooh. Oh. I grew up in Florida my entire life, but I've never gone surfing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my goal for the summer because, one, it will keep me active, and I love the ocean. That would be yeah. my sixth thing that makes me happy is just the water. Yeah. Being in the water makes me so happy. So learn how to surf. Where in Florida are you from? Jacksonville. And is that, is that anywhere near water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I don't know anything no, about so Florida. No, <laughs> so I, like, live, or we live on the river. Oh, okay. And then the beach is, like, a 30-minute drive. Oh, nice. But, yeah, so... Have you ever been, so since you've been here in Michigan, have you been to, like, Lake Michigan or anything? I have. I've been to a okay. few of the lakes, yeah. I don't remember the names of all of them, <laughs> but I've been to a few. <laughs> like, I've been to Michigan and Huron for, like, the Great Lakes, yeah, and then yeah. just some little lakes that I... They give ocean vibes. They do. Which is why they I asked. do. Yeah. Yeah. So I can keep you guys updated on that journey. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm going to be watching that after you graduate. Yeah. yeah. Post updates on social media. I will. <laughs> well, thank you so much for of taking course. the time to do this. No, thank you guys. We want to say thank you so much to Jenna for taking the time to come on our show and chat with us and share her story. It's been so much fun watching you grow throughout your time at Michigan and we're wishing you all the best of luck in the rest of your season, but also in the future with whatever that may hold. We're going to wrap up this week's episode with a question of the week and somebody asked, what is your way too early Olympic team predictions versus your dream predictions? Honestly, I think my realistic prediction is also kind of my dream prediction with the exception of like maybe switching out one athlete. I'm curious if we're going to have the same <laughs> team. So I feel like we usually do. I think the core team is going to be the same between the two of us. And yeah. then it's like one athlete that you could make several different arguments for. So I think Simone Biles is like, duh. 
Shailise Jones at this point in time, I think, is also done. <laughs> I gotta go Gabby Douglas. Which may be a bold prediction at this point in at time. At this point in time, not having seen her in competition, and then, you know, she didn't do Winter Cup, and then now with the gym switch, I totally get why some people might be, like, what are you talking doubting about? this a little bit, but I am just going off vibes here, and what we have seen of her in training I think she looks really good. I think she's really confident. She's really happy this time around. Mm -hmm. She's kind of in like boss bitch mode, I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like she's Gabby Douglas. Like she always pulls it out when she needs to. And I I think she's so valuable to the team, not only for her experience and kind of like her leadership, but also not that they need leadership. I mean, there's all these women are leaders in their own right, but she definitely has some experience and some wisdom that I think the team could use and i think she doesn't need a whole lot of international experience before she even goes to the olympics because she's been there done that like she is so experienced she knows how to perform under pressure i think there's no way you can leave that healy lean pike Jaeger combo <laughs> off this team i agree and even without the pike Jaeger, just the healy ling in general is so godlike <laughs> I feel that like is we need ticket. that in our bar lineup yeah that is her ticket to paris for sure so and i just i i trust you know i have full faith that gabby douglas is gonna come out and slay when she competes hopefully at classics in a couple months i also have faith in suni lee and that might also be maybe a controversial opinion to have on a team with also Gabby. And I feel like there's question marks surrounding them. Because it's very, with Shailise, it's very bars strong, which is a great thing. Um, but Suni's beam is also great. And I feel like with the difficulty that she's capable of having, especially on bars, like that's a bar medal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it might not be gold necessarily, but... Her chances of getting a bar medal is just about as good as anybody in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and in the world as well. So Yeah, having Shailise, Gabby, and Suni gives you a very, very strong bar team. Like but also very, very strong. <laughs> with Simone and Shailise, like they're good vaulters. They're good on floor. Um, so that kind of leaves one more spot for somebody else that, in my opinion, for this puzzle, you're kind of looking at someone else who does or who specializes in or can bring in like a big score primarily on vault or floor. Yeah. And there's several options. Um, I think you could go Jocelyn Robertson if she's healthy and can get herself back to the position or where she was last year. I think she's absolutely in the mix. Jade Carey, of course. Jordan Childs. Kalia Lincoln, I think, could find herself in the conversation if we're talking about those two spots. Um, Leanne Wan, I think, of course, is going to be in the mix. Kayla DiCello. Um, Sky Blakely as well, but I don't think as much for a vault and floor spot. Right, which is super interesting because I feel like if I have Sky on my Olympic team, it's going to be for her bars and her beam. But the U.S. actually is kind of shaping up to be what we predict pretty strong on bars and beam so like you said i feel like for this particular team in this scenario we do need somebody who is more of a vault and floor girly Mm -hmm. and so i'm between two people i am too you can go first jordan childs and kayla DiCello. okay yeah and kayla DiCello, we talked about this last week you really at this point in time i feel like can't go wrong with her because she brings you four usable scores if needed. And you can count on her. Like, if there's anybody in this world that I would trust with my life to go up and hit, it would be Kayla Cello, I mm-hmm. think. <laughs> so, so if you had to pick between the two. But I also love Jordan. <laughs> and I think Jordan's great. And I think Jordan is going to be working hard in the gym. She's had some time to, 
you know, rest and recover. And she's also a gamer. Like there's also a lot of trust, I think, in someone like Jordan Childs to go up on vault, on bars, honestly, even beam. Her beam in international competition has improved. Um, and floor, we know, can be great. So I feel like both of them are really reliable and I'm having a hard time picking. My gut is saying Jordan Childs. That's, I think, where I'm leaning as well. But I also really, really would not be surprised at all by Kayla. I think, well, they're both tremendous all-arounders. I think that Kayla maybe might be slightly more consistent, although Jordan was really consistent leading up to the 2021 Olympics. Right. And so she's not doing college this time around, so she won't be as... I don't want to say burnt out because I don't want to insinuate that she was burnt out last year. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it is hard to go from competing in college every single week for months on end to then turn around and be doing high level gymnastics at a high level consistently. So um, I think now that Jordan is just focusing on elite, I think she'll have a better year this year than she did last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going with Jordan for right now and then... We will see how things unfold. We will see what happens. But I think for now, we're both, I guess, going to be agreeing here with Simone Biles, Shailish Jones, Gabby Douglas, Suni Lee, and Jordan Childs. That would be a fire team. And then alternate experienced team, too. Yes. Like, that is wild. And all women of color, which has never happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. So here for I didn't that. Even process that. Okay, so this needs to happen then. Like, And then alternates, I'm thinking Kayla DiCello, Jocelyn Robertson, and Leanne Wan. I think that's solid because Leanne and Kayla kind of fill that same role where they're like that solid all around person that doesn't really have like a strong event, but they also don't really have a weak event, but they're reliable Mm -hmm. and they're a score that you can count on on any event. So I, I think that both of them as alternates would be great. And then Jocelyn as well. I mean, her scoring potential on really everything but bars is, is really strong and usable if the U.S. needs it. I think if I were to say my dream team, because I believe they asked about dream team, right? Yeah. I would have Jocelyn represent on my dream team. Uh, me as well. I was going to say, and this is no offense to Jordan. Obviously, I love Jordan. But if this, if I had to swap out somebody to make this truly my dream team, Jocelyn Robertson would have to be on it. Because we've been Jocelyn Robertson truthers from day one. Absolutely. And I think there's been many <laughs> like points. Like the world gave up on Jocelyn Robertson, yeah. but we didn't. I was just going to say there's been many points in her career where people were like, she's not going to make it. Like, she's not going to go anywhere. Like, she's doomed. No one actually said that, but, like... <laughs> no, but I think, like, she wasn't... Sorry, I was coughing. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to edit that out. <laughs> um, no, but I think she wasn't doing, in her first year as a senior, what people were expecting no, her to do. No, she didn't even make the national team right. after championships. But I just saw the potential, and I feel like last year she was having such a good year until she got injured at Worlds, and it was super devastating. So... My dream team would have her on it because I just need to see this full circle moment where, you know, she makes it to the Olympics and she actually gets to contribute to the team performance and bring home that medal. Uh Um, And I I just want to clarify that I do think that, again, if she can get back in shape, the shape that she was last year and perform the way that she was performing last year pre-injury, I think she's absolutely still in contention because, you know, if the team is what we think it could be here, we're looking for somebody who can do vault floor. And she proved last year that she could do that very, very well. So our dream team could end up being a realistic team as well. We would love to hear your team. So we're going to make that the question of the week. For those of you who listen on Spotify, there will be a box where you can answer a question and We will submit those as they come in. We would love to hear what your realistic team prediction is for the U.S. And then also 
what your dream prediction is. And then if you have a question that you want us to answer on the show, we always have a link in the show notes to our anonymous submission form where you can submit any question that you want about um, elite or college. That does it for this week's episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. And of course, as always, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters for making this show possible. We appreciate all of your support so, so much. And check out the rescores that we did on the Patreon app. We did a Oklahoma, Michigan one. And then we also did LSU, Bama. Right? (laughs) Not me forgetting. Yeah, we did LSU, Bama, Michigan, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida from the week prior and then earlier in the season we rescored the collegiate quad meet and we also did lsu versus ohio state so check that out if you're a patreon supporter and then get ready for next week because we have an interview with kreslin bros who is the standout freshman at kentucky the floor queen and we're really excited to share that with you all so until then we hope you guys have an amazing week and we'll talk to you soon bye bye